are back for a new episode of Big Tech Small Biz. I'm your host Justin Parks and I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts Ryan and Rachel Holland who are married. We are, we, we we, are we married. Are. They're yeah. married. Isn't that something? We are A married. married couple and a random dude. Welcome to our show. <laughs> Welcome to our show. I mean not totally random, hopefully. Well, not completely. You're not random. I'm a friend. I'm a friend. So we're here to here to interview our next guest, Dr. Jesse Snaringer, and uh, so it's pretty. It's it's going to be an informative interview. Uh, I learned a lot. Before we get before we dive in though, let's talk about what's going on with you guys. What have you been doing during this this season of no work, no school? Well, I guess we've been working and schooling. Oh, so you've been working <laughs> and schooling. That backfired. <laughs> I guess I should ask myself what I've been doing during this what time have, of what no have you been school. Doing? Justin, no what work. have you been doing? I should say during... less school and no work. Lots of time for reflection. Yeah, you're a pretty <clears throat> philosophical, poetic, deep person. Mm-hmm. I, I've often noticed that you you have thoughts, beautiful thoughts to share. What no, you're are... describing yourself, wow. Ryan. <laughs> well, well, you know, um, I'm not going to brag, but let's focus on you. What are the some of the deepest, most beautiful thoughts and uh, epiphanies, I've, perhaps. Well, I've contemplated had. moving out of the state, and I've <laughs> contemplated moving out of That's the country. Not what I was after. Oh, okay. are, are you like Alec Baldwin or something like that? Now you're just gonna. You no, know? it has. It's not because of Trump. It's because our our governor is being real vague about opening, and oh, we may not have school in the fall, and that's making me really nervous because we need to have school in the fall. So you move to Georgia. I'll move wherever they have decided to go back to regular life and be done with all this. Where I don't well, Georgia seems to be of all the places. Georgia seems to be the one that's opening up the I quickest. I do think Texas will soon follow. I hope so. I hope they take their cues from Georgia. So I would. I was hoping the states so. would take their cues from Texas, but but yeah, but no. It's been a slow moving don't train. Don't take your cues from us. If you're listening from another state, don't write <laughs> your representatives a, yeah. and say take your cues from Texas. Yeah. yeah. So I think we're all on the same page on that. We're. I'm disappointed at the the slow nature of reopening and it seems kind of like as a Texas business owner, I'm not happy with the, the pace that they've and the, and the flow of information, it seems kind of slow and vague and well, and I, I was talking to a rep from another company and we were, uh, we were talking about just this, the situation. And he said, cause his, his company as well was doing better during this time. Yeah. But the comment that he made is that, I mean, the companies that are doing better now because of COVID it's not going to last because if everything stays shut down and nobody has any money, then eventually nobody is going right. to be making any money. And you could be doing great as a business owner right now, but if you're not sure if your kids are going to go to school in the fall, mm-hmm. that's kind of scary just for their sake because the reason we yeah. work hard is for our kids. We don't work hard and then who cares what happens to our kids. Right. It matters that they can go to private school because it's not like in, in Texas they're saying, well, you know, schools make their choice or whatever. They're, they're saying schools and private schools are public and private schools are closed down. So if, even if you're a homeschooler, I wonder if they try to overreach and get into like you can't gather and you can't have co-ops because. Oh, know. all co-ops are definitely shut down. That yeah. would fall so, under yeah, the that's same. A, another a, a huge overreach. People should be able to decide. Um, the other thing I'm kind of discouraged by is I feel like 
churches are, I don't, I don't know if churches even believe they're essential. Like I hear a lot of pastors talk, like a very few, select few pastors saying we are going to stay open. Church is essential. Gathering is essential. And they're doing it and they're being mocked and ridiculed. I don't see a lot of churches in our area who believe they're essential. I mean, I don't think it's essential to look at online videos. I, I don't see that as an essential. You don't think that's a good substitute for I, I church? I think it's a really poor substitute for church. And really? I wish that pastors really believed that, I don't know, I don't hear them speaking. So I wish there were more pastors, Texas pastors think, that yeah. were brave. I, I'm almost tempted to, like, whoever the first pastor is to speak up and say, hey, we're essential, we're going to have service, and we're going to social distance. It's like, that's my new church. You know, and what's interesting is that in Texas— the governor said that t- churches are essential. Right, that churches being... can meet. So there's not even a, a civil barrier to meeting. Right. They they made it. They added a caveat, which is if you can, you know, if you can digitally show your services, please do that. But that is that's not even a mandate. So I, I, I'm just surprised. I, I <clears throat> it's been eye opening for me to see sure. how how few pastors in this area have spoken up or have questioned things. They seem to have gone very silent, so I'll yeah. just say that. Well, let's let's hope that 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 changes in the near future because we we need to open back up for our businesses, for our kids' education, for our um, you know for our church life, and so many other things. All that is yeah. really really important, especially. I mean, obviously, most most importantly would be the would be the uh, fellowship element to that, according to scripture. So, right. Um, what are we teaching our kids? Is another <clears throat> question. Like. When we give up so easily, like basic freedoms, like going, you know, like if it's if the park is closed, let's say, or if a beach is closed, or um, if we don't go to church because we're afraid, or because the government told us not to go to church, it's like, what are we teaching our kids? What are they learning? What they're not learning right. what other generations learned about how citizens interact with the the government, you know? Right. Well, and, and there's multiple things there. There's one, when the the civil authority and scripture are in conflict, we go with scripture. Right. And the scripture right. is very clear in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together is the habit of some, but encourage one another. You know, and that's, that's kind of clear in there in scripture. And... Yeah, I don't know. I agree. So we'll see. We'll see what happens and and uh, kind of how it shakes down. We'll know in a week, I think, more about what's going on in Texas. Yeah. So, yeah. That's and great. and also, we uh, Justin is joining me for a segment of World News Brief, which is also here on the CGMRadio.com network. So be sure to check that out. Uh, he will be on tomorrow's show discussing coronavirus and our freedom. So make sure to subscribe to that podcast. Make sure to subscribe to Big Tech Small Biz as well. Just go to cgmradio.com slash big techs for all of the information on how to do just that very thing. Well, um, well, guys, we've got a special guest today. Dr. Jesse Schneringer of Schneringer Chiropractic is joining us for a, a very interesting, I thought it was just an incredibly interesting and informative interview. Yeah, I agree. I, I, learned, I learned quite a few new things. So, so whether, you're, whether you're interested in the business side of it, there's some of that, or if you're interested in the health side of it and how, how chiropractic medicine works, we kind of uh, jump in and go through all of that. So without further ado, here is our interview with Dr. Jesse Schneringer. 
I am thrilled to welcome via Skype Dr. Jesse Schneringer of Schneringer Chiropractic. Dr. Schneringer, welcome to the show. Thank you. Absolutely. So what what I'd like to do is go ahead and let's we kind of start off with what you're doing now, but then we'll take a take some steps back and we'll ask you kind of how you got into uh, becoming a small business owner, and in, and in this instance, one who has has an office that does chiropractic medicine. So, if you would just uh, give us a kind of a, a brief summary of of what you do right now. Uh, I'm a chiropractor, and um, I practice kind of a, a mix of uh, family practice and pretty much nutritional and just regular chiropractic medicine. Fantastic, fantastic. So, if you would, when uh, when did you first know that something such as chiro- chiropractic medicine or something in, in that field was something that you were wanting to do? So, I grew up in a family uh, where we used homeopathic medicines and nutritional therapies as our primary treatment method for all types of conditions. And that's where it kind of all started. And so it kind of led me to chiropractic because I was really interested in becoming a naturopathic doctor. But in the state of Texas, um, there's no board that regulates naturopaths. And so I decided that chiropractic really fit well with nutrition and homeopathy, as well as other types of treatment methods. Wow. Um, one, one of the things that I hear from people, from friends all the time is, oh, I don't want to go in. I'm scared to go to a chiropractor. Um, what, what, what would you say to somebody who was like, well, maybe I should. I'm in a lot of pain. I don't know, but I'm just scared of the chiropractor in general. Um, I'm sure you've dealt with people who have come in despite being scared. What, what would you say to them? How would you encourage them to, to still go? Well, I think that there's different chiropractors. Um, There's good and bad chiropractors, just like there's good and bad medical doctors. And so there's a variety of techniques that we can use to help alleviate some of the fear. We can use gentle adjustments. And just kind of depending on what their fear is, then we can sometimes address that issue. Yeah, and if you're in enough pain, then, you know, at some point the... The risk reward is, you know, I, I know that the first time I went to a chiropractor, I was in so much pain that I was willing to try whatever, and uh, I got instant relief, so kind of sold me on it. Well, and, and I would just say that, I mean, literally, there was, when we moved into our current home a few years ago, I had lifted a piece of, a very heavy piece of, of office equipment, and Dr. Snaringer, I'm sure you remember this, a full disclosure, Dr. Snaringer is my chiropractor. But I came into, I had hurt my back so badly that I came into your office, literally unable to walk. My wife was, I was barely able to get in there simply because my wife helping me through the door. And when you're in situations like that, you you get, I mean, you get, uh, you get pretty desperate. And I just, it was pretty amazing that I went in there unable to walk and I came out with the ability to walk. It was, it was almost it was almost miraculous, really. It felt like it was just amazing. And then after two more sessions with you, it was like almost like nothing had ever really was like nothing that had ever happened. So when someone like me comes through your door, what 
I mean, what's what's kind of your your protocol, your process? Like, okay, I'm this is what I this is how I attack this scenario. So just through the years and experience, just having the ability to just look at the body and determine where the misaligned segments are at and aligning those segments is just something that happens. I mean, I'm not necessarily treating the pain. I'm restoring the function to the body by adjusting the joints. And that's the thing is I evaluate the body, determine where the body is misaligned. It may not even be in the area the person's having pain, and we adjust those segments back, and that restores the person's health. Gotcha. So it's it's interesting. It's a it's just kind of a different way of a, of approaching it. It's it's instead of I guess treating the the symptom or masking the symptoms. Really, I mean, because you don't want to mask the symptoms. You want to actually get to the root cause, which is, I guess, Doctor Steringer, just kind of the fun, fundamental difference in the way of thinking about health and medicine in general with the the current medical philosophy that most people are familiar with. Is that correct? It is a whole body approach. And that's the uh, difference is that we're treating the person and not a symptom. So um, this is Justin. Um, Dr. Schneeringer, how many patients do you have currently? Active patients and inactive patients, um, we're probably, with the combination of the two, there's probably between five and 6,000 patients, probably. Wow, that's, that's a lot. And in, in like on a given week, do you have several hundred people coming through the door? You know, we typically see about 200 a week or so is about the average. That's a lot. So how has your business been affected by all this? Has it stayed kind of steady or have you seen a de- decline? Um, we did have a, probably about a 30% reduction in business for a couple of weeks, but things are starting to pick back up again now. I was so glad that um, my chiropractor stayed open because <laughs> a couple of weeks ago I was in some major pain and I went in and they, they had cut their staff down to like, I think only two, two, uh, two doctors. And I think they normally have like five or six on on at a time so i know that they i know like the joint i know they went through a pretty big dip in terms of like patients so that's good that, to hear that the business is um building up again that was because i think the joints more like wellness based only and um our state board was only allowing for like kind of emergency type situations where people were actually having symptoms. Question, how do you, I'm kind of curious about really kind of your, your evolution from a, a, a student of chiropractic medicine to owning your own chi- uh, chiropractic practice. How does, how does that work? Take us uh, through, if you wouldn't mind, the, I guess, kind of the uh, apprenticeship process and then transitioning from that to having your own your own practice okay so i mean typically uh during chiropractic college um there is a preceptorship program where you actually go out and you you know you'll go to other doctors offices and i was able to uh meet my mentor uh, dr Lindsay. well i was about one year from graduation and uh, he taught me a lot. So 
that was something that really helped me to um, accelerate my knowledge in really chiropractic um, because at the school they teach you book knowledge, not so much the clinical aspects of treating patients or people. And so that really helped me um, have some insight into really what chiropractic can do and how it works. How long is, is chiropractor school typically? So it's about three and a half years, um, but it's year round. So we're on a trimester basis. And so it's pretty much nonstop. You do a fall, spring and summer. And then how long do you typically will apprentice with somebody or how long did you uh, apprentice with your mentor, Dr. Lindsay, after that time? So I was with him for about a year and it was actually during school. I would they had me in a we basically do a clinic at the school. And so I would do my clinical hours there. And then after I finished with my clinical hours at the school, I would go and spend the evening at his office, usually between three to seven at night. And so I was kind of just doing double duty. Wow. That's, that's intense for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, did you, did you have, did you have a, had you started a family during that time or? I had not. And it's probably a good thing I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's pretty intense. So how do you, how do you then go from, I guess that that mentorship to opening your own uh, chiropractic office, getting your own book of business, so to speak. Uh, walk us through that transition. All right. Well, after graduation, I actually worked in a like a group practice um, for about eight years, and um, that group kind of broke apart. That was in Houston, and then I kind of was led here to Conroe. I hadn't really considered practicing in Conroe, not that I had anything against Conroe. Um, I just never really thought about practicing Conroe. I was like, oh, maybe the Woodlands or Huntsville or something like that. But every time I was uh, trying to locate space, um, doors were kind of being shut. They wouldn't return my calls. I'd inquire about lease space and they wouldn't call me back. And so then just kind of through the grapevine, I heard about this space becoming available there was a chiropractor that was actually practicing in this space and i came and talked to him and he said he was moving out and so i contacted the uh landlord of the space and just got the space and that's how it all kind of worked out i ended up uh, just opening up and going out and doing a lot of networking and uh, that's the primary way i started marketing and things just started happening. So we were kind of led here and God just started providing. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. So what what is that like? Where would you where would you network? Because we on this show, we talk a lot about how important networking and business is. So how did you as a chiropractor network in order to build your book of business? So um, I was uh, part of the chamber, chamber of commerce, and um, I was pretty active in the chamber. I'd go out to, uh, I was an ambassador, so I'd go out to ribbon cuttings and just talk to people. They, when you do go to the ribbon cuttings, um, they allow you to do a, just a 30 second commercial about who you are, what you are and where you're located. 
Um, I also, at the time, there was a health food store that was directly across from me, and they were great as well. I'd go over there, set up, and just talk to people. I'd set my spine up, talk to people, hand out my cards. Um, and so there, that was pretty much the way that I would network. Now, did from the because you said you rented the space from a chiropractor who was there before you did a lot of his patients or her patients stick around and just start going to you instead did you get a good percentage of of their business um actually none of his patients came to me he was practicing a uh, different technique that i didn't know and didn't do um Uh he was doing this specific cranial adjustment and um so he didn't have very many patients i think he was out here once a week and i think he was saying like maybe i don't know five or ten maybe once a week and so he i actually i leased the space from not from him but from somebody else because he was actually vacating the space and so sure that's what i ended up giving it actually from the landlord that brings up something i've always been interested in is the different chiropractic techniques Um, Because I've been to probably, I don't know, 10 or 11 different chiropractors in my life. And um, some of them do the more traditional, like, um, adjustments where they kind of work on your, they adjust your spine, they adjust your hips, your neck. And then I've also been to chiropractors who, um, they will just, like, only do a small amount of, like, almost like tapping on your your spine. Like, are you familiar with that technique where they use, like, a... Um, like almost like a machine that an like, activator is that what it's called? I think so. Yeah, they just kind of it's a machine that kind of aligns your spine, but there's actually no adjustments being done. Are you familiar with that technique? Sure. There's, I mean, there are so many different techniques in chiropractic. Okay. Um, and I mean, there there is an activator, which is more of a hand utilized tool. Yeah. Um, there there are electrical tech activator devices as well and so but there's a lot of different techniques i mean so many different techniques you could study and i do study a lot of different techniques and quite frequently is the joint method kind of the more traditional standard method for like wellness and for i don't know alignment the joint um they have specific rules, I believe, that they only allow their um, doctors to just basically do spinal manipulation only. And so I think they're only allowed to do specific type adjustments. So what's outside of that? Like, what are some of the things that you would have the freedom to do that maybe, you know, other other location or other businesses would not be able to do? As far as the joint, yeah, yeah. Like if they're the if they're kind of the base level of like of care, what, sure. what people expect so, more of a specialist. So you can like homeopathy, nutrition. Those are additional things that you can do as a chiropractor. But there's all kinds of different alternate techniques that can be utilized to help people. Um, scar tissue techniques. Um, there's okay, so a variety of different like types of Isn't that what a naturopath would do? Is uh, almost like soft tissue, soft tissue manipulation or soft tissue massage? Isn't uh, that? 
I'm not sure that naturopaths, I, I would think, would probably be utilizing more nutrition and homeopathy than, than any type of uh, body work. Most you know, like naturopaths, I don't believe, get into body work that often. Oh, okay. That's interesting because I, I actually went to a naturopath for a couple of years uh, for uh, like a pinched um, like sciatic nerve. And he did actually do a lot of like soft tissue. That that's what he described the difference between a chiropractor and and him was that he worked on soft tissue. Chiropractors are able to work on the neuromusculoskeletal system in general, and so that includes muscles, nerves, bones, joints, um, and the combination of those things. The other thing that I mean I utilize as well as acupuncture and. Oh, nice that's something that the joint probably wouldn't allow it either. I, like I said, they probably just, they want speed in their practice. And so they so just, adjust did you have to get additional training to um, do acupuncture? I mean, I would assume, right? Yes, you do. Correct. I mean, it's, it's an additional training. How long does it take to get um, that kind of added as a skill set? Um, I studied for about a year, but that's an ongoing uh, learning process as well. There's so many different aspects to like really uh, kind of Chinese medicine and acupuncture. That's exciting. I, I actually have, I don't think I've ever encountered a chiropractor who also could do acupuncture. That's definitely a unique um, combination of skills. Yeah, it does seem. I, mean, I had a kind of a massage therapist type guy that I went to many years ago, and he incorporated some uh, some acupuncture, but he was not uh, he was not a chiropractor. It was very interesting. He, his philosophy was uh, you shouldn't align the bones. You work on the muscles, and then the muscles will align the bones. And you're you're probably familiar with that type of philosophy, but I'm kind of curious uh, because he. Uh, this was a, a you know Chinese uh, medicine doctor. I mean, definitely Eastern medicine, and but he really wasn't into aligning of uh, of the of the skeletal system. Just more so uh, getting the muscular system working right, and that'll take care of everything else. So, what's your? I, I'm curious, what's your take on that philosophy? Well, that's uh, kind of like a downstream thinking, um, which. I'm more of an upstream thinker because the brain controls everything through the nervous system. And so if you have a misaligned spinal segment, it's going to be affecting neurological outputs to the body. And so it's going to actually affect the muscle. And so say you have a pinched nerve in your back and that nerve is firing off and it's causing the muscle to go in spasm. Um, if you massage that muscle, you can massage the muscle and the spasm will go away, but it's going to come right back because you didn't actually correct the problem. You're just right. treating the symptom of the problem. And so that's the issue that I have with that is that you're treating a muscle which is just told to do what it's doing, which is contract. It doesn't control the brain. The brain controls the muscle. Right. Right. Yeah. I. And at first I was like, oh, okay. I remember talking to him about it. Okay. And then later I was kind of thinking about it. I don't know if that totally, <laughs> I don't know if that totally makes sense. And of course, since then I've, I've been uh, pretty regularly going to a, going to a chiropractor. But so what, so 
if maybe we could dig in i think a lot of people might be wondering okay when when a chiropractor makes an adjustment and, and aligns the spine whether you know and, and and puts everything back into alignment in what ways uh, does that affect the body uh, positively I, I'm, I can't think of any negative so just in what ways though does that you, you mentioned neurological function um, just what are the kind of the basic ways that getting us aligned helps our bodies to function better so it just depends on what the person has going on but it can help with a lot of different issues just depending on what the issue is because everything comes from the brain down through the spinal cord and then through the nerves to the body and so if there's pressure on a nerve say going to the stomach you might get um, excess stomach acid in your stomach because there's pressure on the nerve it's telling the nerve to fire and so then the stomach is producing too much acid or maybe not enough acid and so by adjusting the segment that goes to the stomach it can restore stomach function wow so really it could it, there's a lot of things that could fix that we 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 don't necessarily realize rachel you got some so one of the things that i'm wondering and i think a lot of people are wondering right now is what are some things that we can all be doing just to help support and build up our immune system so that it's working right <laughs> right now? What would be your, your thoughts about that? So one of the things that I like to talk to people about is uh, diet. I mean, it's a major, has a major impact on the health of the person and so making sure that the person's eating the right foods and um, not making their body too acidic by eating foods that make the body acidic. And so staying alkaline, so eating lots of vegetables, uh, green vegetables and then fruits and smaller amounts of grains and proteins. Those things help to keep the body's immune system more active, as well as uh, taking nutritional supplements. Um, basic supplements like vitamin C, vitamin D, you know, those things help to keep the immune system boosted. Awesome. What, what are some foods, what are, I guess in your opinion, like the most acidic things that most Americans are eating on a daily or every other day basis? What are the things that you would say, if you're going to cut this out, like that will help you in a, in a major way? What are some things that everybody really needs to be cutting out? So excess carbohydrate consumption is probably the primary thing that most Americans are doing that increase the acidity of the body. And so breads and pasta, um, rice, those types of things make the body acidic, but also uh, too much protein, animal proteins. What would you say to guys? I know a lot of guys that we eat a lot of protein because we work out and you need protein to build muscle. What would be your recommendation for those who lift weights and, and do that kind of thing and, and want to build muscle but want to do that in a, in a healthy way? Well, I think that people can utilize um, different types of plant-based proteins if they want to uh, get additional protein. But most commonly, people are 
eating way too much protein. And I mean, really, probably we don't need as much protein as we think we do, especially if you're eating a uh, combination of plant-based proteins so you can get a complete protein. Right. Ryan's feeling really convicted right now because he actually eats way too much protein. <laughs> oh, oh, I do, right? Yeah. I, I do, okay. <laughs> well, I, I eat too many protein bars, which don't necessarily <laughs> have the, the best forms of protein in them. But I, it's not animal protein. Is that true, Dr. Well, Jesse? Is that Are protein bars to be avoided, or what? what is your take on that? Probably depends on the type of protein in them. Correct. Depends on what kind of protein it is. Okay, so most of them are soy-based. Or what are your no, like, he doesn't get soy-based. Mine are, are whey-based, whey, whey okay. protein-based primarily. Okay, so can you chime in on that, Dr. Jesse? <laughs> so I would probably not eat too many of them. I mean, it's probably, it's probably not going to harm you as far as like eating the uh, whey-based protein, especially if you're not eating excessive amounts of them. Yeah, yeah. Ryan Ryan needs a, an intervention, I think, next time you see him. <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't know that we arranged this whole thing just so we could kind of... Stage an intervention yeah, for his protein bars. My goodness, this is ridiculous. The, re- the sole reason Costco's stock is going up is because Ryan's protein <laughs> bar purchases. My protein bar consumption, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm almost out of them actually, and I wasn't gonna reorder. So uh, I've been—I hadn't been eating them for a while. But uh, all right, let's get let's get off of my protein protein bar <laughs> consumption. So, what would you say to um, I guess maybe someone who is looking to go into uh, the chiropractic medicine field, or something who's going who is interested in going into you know maybe naturopathic field or whatever. You know, someone comes to you, hey, this is kind of what I'm interested in. Uh, how would you kind of guide and lead that person? in terms of a professional uh, career path? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Can you narrow it down just a little bit? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, what would be what would be your recommendations in terms of, you know, whether they should uh, maybe go with a group or do their own thing or, um, you know, maybe marketing? What would... Um, you mean after they've already gone through school or before they go to school? <laughs> If, yeah, if they if they wanted to start a business one okay. day, what would you tell them they should? Well, it depends on the person's personality, really. I mean, some people don't realize how much work is really involved in having your own business. If somebody doesn't really want to have all that responsibility, then they're probably better off maybe even working for somebody or working in a group setting where if they don't mind all the extra work that's involved in having your own practice or business, then I'd recommend probably having their own practice. Yeah. That's good advice. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Dr. Saringer, uh, we've gone about half an hour and I won't take up any more of your time, but I just wanted to say uh, thank you so much. I know this is a kind of a bizarre time in our nations and world history and probably a, a unique time to be, to be practicing medicine. So uh, thank you for taking the time out of your day uh, for, and joining us. Sure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if people want to follow you online, what's the, what's the best places to go? It's uh, myconroechiropractic.com. And, and then I think, I think from, there's links to Facebook and other things there. 
Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Fantastic. And we'll have all that information in the show notes. Well, Dr. Snaringer, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. And that will do it for this edition of the Big Tech Small Biz Podcast. Thanks again to Dr. Jesse Schneringer for joining us for this amazing and informative interview. Make sure to subscribe to the Big Tech Small Biz Podcast and whatever app that you use. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a five-star review if you happen to like the podcast. You can also email us, bigtechs at cgmradio.com and find us online cgmradio.com slash bigtechs. Thank you guys so much again for joining us, and we will see you here next time.